Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. We want to talk today about rebuilding relationships. We know Valentine's Day is coming up, and I know everybody wants to be um, somewhat, it, there's pressure to be, you know, booed up, as they say. There's pressure to have somebody in your life, um, but we want you to know that there's also a key importance to you getting the understanding of what God wants you to do in your single life before you try to step into a relationship of marriage because so many people have struggles in marriage because they didn't find out what God wanted them to do when they were single and then when they develop in marriage and they find their purpose they realize that their purpose doesn't align itself with their mate that they've chosen so what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out early in this rebuild relationships and just say look God can do it. I know we shared some personal things last week, and I don't, um, and I don't know that I want that many personal things shared over the pulpit. But we uh, we were pretty open and honest. And somebody said, "Well, Pastor, why would you be so so open?" Well, I want you to know that we're not perfect, and a lot of people think that people in ministry have got it all figured out. Um, if if they are if they are your pastor and they are showing signs of that and they're like saying, yeah, I've got all the answers and my marriage is perfect and we our kids are perfect, you need to find a new church because it's just not the case. And they will not help you because they're not willing to show you the areas that needed to be sanded in their life and smoothed and the corners that needed to be taken care of um, because all of us have jagged edges. We're people. We're trying to, we're trying to put two souls together and become one. And whenever Sarah and I first started into this, we realized that I was, I was very different from her, and she was very different from me. And the fact that we're still married is a miracle. It's a fact. And I can say with honesty that um, her life lived strong has helped my life that was lived weekly. But my weakness developed my ministry. So I wouldn't want to lose everything I went through because it gave me empathy for the broken. In her life, she sometimes struggles with empathy for those that are broken because she can see all the decisions that led up to that brokenness. She's like, well, if you would have done that and you could have done this and you would have been able to do that, then you wouldn't be where you are right now. And so you're the sum total of all your decisions that I can even see in your life. And she's like, so stop, stop, stop doing that, you know. But for me, I can say, I'm very sorry. I feel where you're at because I know what it's like to be there. And so that's how our ministry has grown. And so she's the professional on relationships, pretty much. And I'm the one that's just tagging along. So, um, but the Lord has anointed us to do what we do. And I want you to know that we're very sincere about this. We, we spend time together. And I think it's good that I preface our time together today with the fact that Sarah and I oftentimes will pray 
over what's going to happen in this service. And sometimes she'll walk back and she'll pray over me ministering the word. And I'll feel the Lord show up. Because we have a relationship that says, if I minister, she's ministering. And if she ministers, I'm ministering. Because it takes from our life. We are, we are divesting ourselves of energy. We're trying to you know, strengthen you, but yet it takes something from us. So we have to do that together. And that's something we want to do together. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? We ask you to open this service today with a very special word, Lord God, as we rebuild relationships and we talk about what it means to be a soulmate. I pray you help us today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So um, in, re in regards to rebuilding relationships, um, I do want to add to something he prefaced with. Um, these principles that we're going to speak about today, can you just take this down a little bit? Um, these principles that we're going to speak about today are not just applicable to someone who has not found their mate yet. I want to preface that because sometimes we think, oh, boy, you know, I'm already 20 years in and I've really screwed it up and I'm not going to be able to, uh, you know, I can't go back and, and do that part over again. But God offers grace no matter where you are, no matter what point in your life you're at, God will meet it with grace. And the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So when you wake up in the morning and you've flubbed the day before and your relationship isn't where it belongs, you can go back and visit some of these principles and you can reestablish them in your life and you'll find that it still works. So no matter where you're at in any kind of relationship or not in a relationship, these principles are God's principles. They still apply to our lives. So I just wanted to preface that um, before we start um, talking about that. Did you want to read the scripture? Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going first. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. He, he may have been, it doesn't say that he was looking, but he probably was realizing, okay, there's a male and female there, two elephants, two tigers, one human. So there was not found a helpmeet for him. Verse 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Okay. So God did something about that. Man may have realized, oops, I'm missing something. Something's not quite right. But God also knew that it, it wasn't complete yet. God had a plan right from the very beginning, so he wasn't surprised that Adam noticed that there was just one of him and two of everything else. That wasn't a surprise to God. So even when Adam realized it, God was like, oh, hang on a minute, I, 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 got, I got plans. So he made him go into a deep sleep so that he could take a rib from him and make a woman. So God was saying, there, 
And he says in the scripture, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper because no one person can do everything. Am I right? Is, is one person able to do every single thing that it takes to run a life, to run a family, to run a household, to run even any kind of job? No, it takes teamwork, right? So God intentionally made a helper for Adam. And at that time, and this will make sense in a little bit, but at that time, Adam was whole. Adam had already been living in paradise. God had made him complete. He was without sin at that point. And so sin had not entered into the world yet. So he's in this, in this um, beautiful paradise garden that God had created. Everything that he needed was supplied. Everything was perfect. Everything was idyllic. But there was still something that God wanted to do. He wanted to make a helper. Adam himself was whole as he was. He hadn't experienced anything that made him broken. He hadn't been hurt yet. He hadn't seen things that bothered him. He hadn't bumped up against things that he didn't know what to do with yet because God was there talking to him every day in the cool of the day, the Bible says. He had God continuously putting his word into him. He lived in this paradise. He was unbroken. Sin had not broken him yet. And so he was whole. And that's, that's going to be important later in this lesson. He was whole. And when God took that rib and made Eve, made the woman, she was whole as well. She also had not been touched by sin. She was whole. So two whole people began this relationship. So go ahead. Also the word alone in the original language means all in one. So what you have happening here is you have God saying, I put all in one person everything that he needs, meaning he was whole. But it's not good for man to be alone. When we think of the word alone, we think of being lonely, right? Is that what you think of? Oh, they're alone. Oh, they're lonely. That's not exactly what God was trying to say. Not just that he was alone, but that, or not that he wasn't just lonely, but that he was alone and had no one to help him. So what he said, what God was saying was, it's not good that man be all in one. I'm going to make for him a woman or man with a womb in order for there to be a wholeness and a coming together. So they can be one, one soul. They can literally come together and be one flesh. And then Adam, of course, says, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. This came from me, so therefore it is. Then um, I kind of rib Sarah sometimes, get it? rib her. Um, I rib her every once in a while that she's a good rib. You know, she's a, she, she comes from good stock, you know? So, um, but the fact that Jesus, you know, came and then he bore us, bore our sins on the cross. And then the, they pierced his side where his ribs are and blood and water flowed. That was significant of baptism and the covering of blood. And in other words, God purchased a bride from his side out of the body of Jesus Christ. Do you understand the same, some symbolism there? In other words, he said that from me who was whole, God in the body, I can bring forth my bride from my side. You know what I'm saying? So he came from, so we came out of Jesus Christ and we should be also one with him as a church. So it's important that we understand that when, the, when he says, it's not good that man be alone, he's also talking about the bride of Christ. It's not good for us individually to be alone. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. 
So therefore, that's why it's important that we do life groups. And I'm going to just take a little plug here. If you're not in a life group, you need to get into a life group because sometimes the things that happen in life group, as James said, we confess one another, our sins, our faults to one another, and pray for one another, we will be healed. Maybe the reason why you haven't been healed yet is because you're not with somebody that can help you through that process and pray for you whenever you need a, a prayer or a hope or, or a touch of, of encouragement. You need to be in a life group. Amen, somebody. Body. Well, okay. I'll stop hitting life groups. Go ahead, Sarah, with alone. Well, there are. Um, there's actually two kinds of relationships. There's uh, the type of relationship that God puts you in, mm-hmm. and there's the relationship that you put yourself in. All relationships fall into one or the other of those categories. Sometimes we choose a relationship. Um, well, all, all the time that we choose a relationship, there's something emotional attached or, or, yeah, usually emotional because we're either entering that relationship for what we can get from that person. We're entering that relationship maybe for what we can learn from that person. Um, maybe we just want to kind of tag along in their success. And I'm not just talking about um, love relationships. I'm talking about any relationships. We enter business relationships because it's good for both parties. Or maybe it's just good for us if we tag along. Um, we ride the coattails of some people. Um, sometimes we enter a relationship because we feel like that person will make us a better person. So those are relationships that we choose to put ourselves into. But God chooses sometimes to put you in a relationship that you weren't planning on being in. You weren't planning to align yourself with that person. Uh, He may bring that person into your life slowly or he may throw that person into your life suddenly. And so those are the two types of relationships. Either you put yourself in that relationship or God did. So that's important also with where we're going in this lesson. And Matthew 19 and 6 says, What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. If man put the relationship together, it may not work. How, and there's a lot of people that talk about divorce in the church. You know, Really, a lot of the world doesn't look to the church for their relationship um, coaching because the church is actually seeing as many divorces as the world is. It's at 50%. How many of you would like to get on a flight? I got to get on a flight later today and go to Salt Lake City. How would it be if I got on that flight and the stewardess is doing the safety stuff that they do beforehand? And, uh, you know, this will fall out of the ceiling if there's a lack of, you know, oxygen in the cabin and depressure. And then she gets to the end and she goes, oh, by the way, one and two flights don't make it to their destination. I hope you're on the one that does. (laughs) Would you get married? If 50% fail, would you get on that plane? No. So why do you think there is a large number of millennials growing into relationships and living together and never getting married? Because they're afraid they don't know what they don't know. They don't know how possibly to love right or keep a relationship right. And maybe they never had any models in the home. Their parents divorced when they were young. And all they know is how to have maybe a good business relationship. We're both being successful, going the same way. So therefore, we just live together. And they don't understand that God can't honor some things that, um, that they don't have established in their life. So here we see that. 
people put themselves in relationships and sometimes they end up getting divorced and then we end up seeing people that want to get married because they didn't find the person. They blossom into their purpose and they find the person that they feel is their soulmate or the one that God would have for them. And now they're coming both with a divorce on their record and they're saying, Pastor, would you marry us? And I've got to go to the, to the Word of God and look at what Paul's writings were and say, hey, okay, why were you divorced? But you know what happened? The Bible says what God joined together, let no man put asunder. It doesn't say what man joined together. Right. And sometimes a lot of the marriages we're seeing in our society are man joining them together. And so I'm not saying that you don't be cautious and careful. I know that when I married a friend of mine, I said, I want you to spend six months studying the Word of God before I marry you to a person that was previously married. I want you to make sure you heard from God on this. So I'm just going to drop that, and I hope that's not too heavy. But before you get married, make sure that this person God has joined you together with it's make sure that this is the person God has joined together. It's all about purpose, not happiness, not even love, really. Right. It's not about just that. Get married when you're, you get married when you found the person that fits God's purpose for your life, okay? So, Sarah, you can talk about. Now, we're going to kind of give you the five keys of how you find a purpose mate because that is what's most important, that you both have the same purpose. So listen carefully. This will be fun. I'm going to just preface, preface on God's purpose for our lives. God has a plan and a purpose for every individual. Do you believe that? God has a purpose for your life, a specific thing that he wants to accomplish through you. Now, we can choose whether we're going to line ourselves up to God's purpose because we were given the ability to make choices. That's something God gave us. So we could choose to say, you know what, God, I don't like your purpose for my life. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to choose my own purpose and see where that gets me. And But God's purpose, when we are pursuing God's purpose... Very often when you're walking, and we, we touched on this last week, but I want to reiterate it because it's important for what we're talking about today. Very often when you're walking the path that God is leading you on, you will be able to look from side to side and you'll see somebody walking the same path as you because they're also following the purpose of God in their life. And their purpose in their life may very well line up to yours. That person is more likely to be the mate that God would have you commit yourself to if you're going in the same path and then you wouldn't be unequally yoked two oxen that are yoked together have to go the same path right whether they're good together or not they have to go the same path because they're strapped together and so if you strap together two oxen that aren't of the same height or of the same weight or of the same strength it's going to be bad for both because one will be pulling all the burden, the other one won't, or the other one will have that yoke chafing at them, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna end up being good for either one. So we wanna be careful that we're yoked together with somebody who is going in the purpose God has for our lives. So Some have said it's like running in one direction toward God or, or driving in your vehicle toward your purpose in God, and you look over and a few lanes over, someone's going the same direction. Well, if you have the mindset of the world that we have, they're like, stop, hey, check it out. You know, that they, some people stop seeking when they find, but really what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to keep seeking. In other words, keep seeking God. And if you then, as the driving illustration, if you then continue to seek God and drive toward what his purpose is for your life, God will merge you onto the same path as that person. And eventually God will bring you right to them. You won't have to go seek them out. 
So it's important that you know that. There's a, there's a ton of situations and illustrations in, in my ministry as well as others where we've seen a person that's searching out their love. You know, they're after going to find that man or going to find that woman. And guess what? It ends up in a, a, a failed situation after a failed situation because they're trying to shoehorn someone into their life before they ever really feel like, feel um, what God has for them or find what God has for them. So purpose is really important. It's, it's good that you know that. All right, so the first one um, of the five keys, everybody say number one. number one. The first key to knowing whether someone is your purpose mate is if you have chemistry. Everybody say chemistry. chemistry. All right, that's good. Anyone can, but just so you know, it's important that you understand anyone can have chemistry with anyone else. Right. Um, chemistry is just a matter of closeness or the ability to, to be connect, kind of connected with them, a sameness. Um, but don't be confused by the chemistry you feel with other people. It's, it's just a connector. Have you ever met somebody that you just felt like you were of kindred spirits, they say? You just kind of have this. Maybe you have the same stuff. Maybe you have the same places you like to go and the places you like to shop. But you have to be careful with that because you could have the same brokenness that draws you together. Right. And so two broken things put together doesn't make a whole. It's like two bad eggs. You have one bad or you have one bad egg, one good egg. You put them together and make an omelet. You got a bad omelet. Yeah. Right. Some people t- treat their relationships like home improvements. They're like they've got so much potential. I mean, if I could just get them to church and if I could just introduce them, to, you know, they're like trying to bring in something that God said I can't bless initially. He said, don't be unequally yoked, because whenever you have that yoke and, yoke and oxen situation, like she said, if you have two different kind of animals, the yoke doesn't pull right because of the differences. So it's just an illustration. So chemistry is, is good to have, but it's only the first key. It's not like the only thing. You can have chemistry. Did you know you can have chemistry with people that's not your spouse? Yes. Did you know that? You can literally walk into a Starbucks and greet somebody and talk to them for a minute, and they can be even, oh, I don't know if I should go here, the opposite sex, and you can have chemistry with them, but that's not something you should pursue. That's just chemistry. That's one piece. So you can have chemistry with people that are not your soulmate. Amen? Boundaries keep chemistry where they belong. So in other words, you need to have boundaries that keep that chemistry from getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about that's good, that's good. the next one, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So number two is connection. So that chemistry does this thing where it draws you together. Okay. So it, like you said, it's a connector. So it draws you to each other. So a connection um, between you and another person gives you a feeling, a sense that you need to be together. You want to spend time with them. You, you're like, wow, I, I like this person. I really enjoyed the time we spent. I want to do that again. I want to be with that person again. But if the connection is uneven, then it won't work. You have to have the same sense of connection for it to work. That's where we go back to the purpose thing. Um, your, connect, your sense of connection to that person has to equal their sense of connection to you in order for it to work. Some people are very needy. And so they feel connected to something where they feel like they're getting something out of that person. And it's, it's not a two-sided thing. It's a one-sided thing. And so that, that connection is, got, is not going to work. What connects you is not the looks uh, of the person, like, oh, 
that person is so attractive? It's not the physical attraction. It's not physical interaction. It's like, well, when he holds my hands, boy, I, I, I feel it. I feel connected to him. He must be my soulmate. No, that, that is not necessarily a, a good way to, to decide that factor. So the, that physical interaction may not be the connection you need. It's not the money or the success either. When you f are around this person, you feel, you feel successful. It's like, wow, he's, he's done a great job you know, building his life and, and he's got all this stuff and when I'm around him, I feel successful. Even maybe you're not even though maybe you're not, but I feel successful. And so you like the feeling of that and you, you think that's a connection that you have. And so you might be attracted to them through that. Um, but really what you want to look for is are you attracted to their spirit? Their actual personality, who they actually are, is that what is attracting you? Because physical goes away, bodies do not last forever. You, you are not going to be beautiful forever. It's just a fact of life. We are all, we are all subject to the sag and the drag, okay? Yes. <laughs> it just, it's the way it is. It's true. So, and the thing is that God is spirit, amen? Yes. John 4, 24, God is spirit. And when he connects us to something, he will not connect us to something that doesn't have eternal purpose. Right. Make sure you understand that, that he will connect you to eternal things. He, right. I'm not, he didn't just connect me to the body of this person. He connected me to the spirit of this person. Right. And that's the eternal part of her. So he said, I'm going to mate you spirit to spirit. Because in order for us to be a soulmate, her to be a soulmate, we have to join mind, body, soul, and spirit. We have to become one. And in order to do that, the first connection that God will make is he'll make a spirit connection. And you don't get that connection just from feeling somebody. You get that connection when they begin to talk or when you hear how kind they are or when how gentle they are or how patient they are. That spirit connection is what really draws you to them. And when you sense that and you're like, I just like the way their spirit is, that is a real indication that God is drawing you to that person or that that's someone that could be a soulmate for you. That's a, a solid connection then. So God doesn't connect us by our body right. only. No. Okay. No, no, no. It's not like, hey, she's fine. <laughs> or, hey, he's good looking and he's handsome and he wears a nice beard. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the number, number three key. Everybody say, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> number three key. Um, so the first key was what? Chemistry. Come on, help me out, folks. Let's not go to sleep on a Sunday morning. The first key was what? Chemistry. All right. The second key is what? Connection. Very good. And the third key is wholeness. What qualifies your connection to the other individual is if you've worked on and made sure that you were whole singly as a person. So I, I can give you a back. Let's, let's, let's give you the back story on this. What is the qualif let, let me just say this. Listen carefully. What is the qualification for a divorce? You have to be married, right? You have to be married in order to get divorced. What is the qualification for marriage? It takes two individuals, right? God made Adam first individually. And then he made for him Eve. You have to, like we discussed last week, you need to have a place, you need to have a purpose, 
You need to have a perspective and identity in God before you ever try to put another person next to your life. And you need to have parameters on relationships. You need all those things before you even try to add a person. But the fact that you're adding a person, you can question the chemistry. You can question the connection. You can say, I don't know. God, is this from you? Is this a relationship? It may move faster than you thought it would. And so you have to know, is this moving fast? Because, and you can go back, those of you that are married, go back in your original, you know, dating scene, whenever you started dating or you loved her, just go over that in your mind and say, okay, when it was moving quick, what did I ask the Lord? The thing that you have to know is there, there is no way to determine whether that's not a codependency relationship unless you are whole with God yourself. If you don't have a relationship that you've surrendered to God and you're walking with God and you're single and you're okay with that, you're not too thirsty, like I said last week, or too hungry for a relationship, then that qualifies the chemistry. That qualifies the connection. You're saying, I'm not chasing them just because I have physical desire. I'm chasing them because, or I'm pursuing them because as a whole individual, after the purpose of God in my life, I see that God has brought them into my sphere or place. And that's what the original you know, language really said. Whenever God presented Eve to Adam, it said he presented Eve to Adam. And it actually means if you go study it, he paraded her in front of him and said, do you like this? He gave him the choice. If God won't choose whether you're saved or not, you have to make that choice. Do you think he'll take away your choice in choosing a mate? God has given you the choice. And you can choose wrong or you can choose right. But you have to decide that I'm going to choose according to God's word and I'm going to choose according to God's relationship. with. Now, if you've already cho- chosen, you could feel like, okay, well, I've already done that for better or for worse, so now what? So the the quality that we're talking about is wholeness. So if you've already chosen your mate, you can still pursue wholeness in God. You may be in your relationship right now. You may be a broken person. Your spouse may be a broken person. You need to seek the face of God and ask the Lord to show you where are the broken parts in my life? Where am I broken? Because that I'm bringing that brokenness to my spouse's life. Where is that brokenness? And show me, Lord, how to fix it. The Bible says that if you lack wisdom, you can ask of God and he will give it freely. So don't try to do this on your own. If you're not seeking the face of God to make you whole, you're doing it wrong. It's not going to work. You have to seek the face of God. Seek him for your wholeness. Seek him for your relationship to be whole. But I can't, I can't change any brokenness that's in him. I, I simply can't. I can be a helper to him, but I, I can't fix it. No matter how much I may want to, I cannot fix it. He may even cry out to me and say, can you help me fix this? I can't. I can be a support. I can be a help. I can show him love. I can show him respect. I can pray for him, but I can't make him whole. He can't make me whole. And that's very important to, to remember no matter where you're at, in any relationship, in or out of a relationship, you cannot make that person whole. God has to do it. It's also important to know that it's more important to be single than married. I know some people don't like that at all. 
but it's more important to be single than married because when you're single, you can pursue the vision of God in your life, the purpose of God in your life. You don't have anybody you have to change diapers for or be responsible to. You don't have any time schedules. You don't have to worry about the insurance and the paycheck to cover the house because you have to provide for your family. There's so much time you can invest in what God's put into you during the time of being single. And when you don't do that when you're single, you can tend to try to do that when you're married, and sometimes it can cause friction. Um, But it's also important to note that marriage is very good at pointing out things that you need to change in your life. (laughs) Amen, somebody. Your spouse can pick out things that you are not seeing, that you are not aware of. Just helping out. Yes, our, our, our helper. Yes. And so what happens is they can say things to you and you're like, no, that's not, I don't have that problem. And then two or three weeks later, you can be at a barbecue or someplace and you can say something like, right there. That's it. That's the thing I'm talking about, right? And you're like, oh, okay. All right. That's okay. And they can point out to you things that you wouldn't see yourself. Because obviously the Bible says that man, we, we, we are always right in our own eyes. Man is right in his own eyes. We find ways to be right. We justify things. Yeah. So when you have a help meet, it's important that you, you live your single life secure in God. But when you put somebody in your life, you also have to know that they are not trying to harm you. They're trying to, like we just talked about last week, invest you. And so we have, I have an illustration for the wholeness aspect. Are you ready for an illustration this week? Oh, I'm so excited. I just can't even keep myself from doing this. Um, so, all right, the illustrations. Can you take those water bottles out and give me that whole, that whole unit there? I'm going to set it up on the table so you guys can see it. So let's just say this vessel, this vessel is your life, okay? This is you. You are a vessel. Things get filled up in your life. Things get put into you. We are formed to be filled. Amen, somebody. Acts 2.38. We're formed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what we're formed to be filled with. But when we begin our life, we can begin our life. And so these ping pongs represent people. And there's, there could be illustrations. There could be uh, illustrations, not that. There could be different people that you have in your life that put things into your life, maybe philosophies, maybe ideas. Maybe they say that you should be doing uh, something. Maybe they, they try to tell you that, you know, you'll be more successful if you get around these people, if you go to this college or you, you have these opinions. And, and slowly all of these things represent the opinions of people that have been put in your life or the different relationships that you have in your life and pretty soon you can be filled up with all kinds of things that don't fulfill you really and then and then you can have people that oh some people leave you (laughs) I was supposed to land in the bucket but so then your life is basically full of all the things that people have told you you're supposed to believe but what happens whenever you come to the Lord before, oh, thank you very much. We have a helper. I can't see it. <laughs> when you come to the Lord, what he does is he begins, you want to do the pouring? I can. Okay, we want to do this in stages. Okay. So Tell stop when it's about halfway. You can't really see this too well, but she's going to begin to pour. When we begin to come to the Lord, we just start with maybe some Bible reading. And the interesting thing about Bible reading is you just start and you just begin to read the Word, let the Word wash over you and begin to cleanse you of different things. And, and, and when the Word goes in, something has to come out. Amen? 
So God just began, and then all of a sudden, you notice that your life begins to change, and things that used to be what you thought was your identity, and what you thought you were, and what people told you would be, and you never could, and you, and you never will be any better, and you're always going to be addicted, and you're always going to have this problem. Guess what? When you begin to pour the Holy Ghost over your life, that begins to come out of your life. Amen? And so we get to a point, okay, stop right there. We get to a point where we're like, God is... God is doing great things. Amen. God is just moving in my life. And the Holy Ghost is, is touching me and doing great things. And the clear part down there is all of what the Holy Ghost has done. Mm-hmm. And, and, but we still have all this stuff on top. So the, the tendency is to stop right here. Let God pour over your life and then get to feeling good. You can hold, hold on a second. Just hold off. Mm-hmm. I have to do some teaching here. She's really eager with the water. So... We get to this point and we look like lukewarm to the world. We have still some inconsistencies and still some flesh issues and some things. And then our spouse comes along and says, you know what? You don't, you don't need that in your life. And you're, you're better without this. And they can help us. But the truth of the matter is, we, we see all that God has done, but the world may not see it. If I put you, you know, you can barely see this, but if I set this here and then I take somebody to the parking lot and have them look through the windows, what are they going to see? All the things that are not yet removed from my life. And you don't have to be ashamed of those things. Those are things that God is working on in your life. That's part of what came up. These, I had so much stuff in my particular vessel from the coming up, from bringing up the the bring up that uh, the upbringing that I had. There was no way that I couldn't live my life fully poured out in Jesus Christ. So whenever I first met her, I went and fasted two weeks straight. And no, I didn't have all this knowledge that we're teaching you about the five keys of a soulmate. I didn't have that understanding. So I was working without knowledge, but I was working with the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. The Holy Ghost will fill the places that you don't have knowledge because he is a spirit of truth. And he won't let you step into something without him touching you and saying, hold on, pump the brakes. He'll, you'll get a quickening of the Holy Ghost because that spirit of truth wants truth and wants good for your life. Amen, somebody. So sometimes we stop right here. And if you stop here, you will still look like a hypocrite to the world. They're like, okay. But down here you have all the things that God has already done. You have all this that God has poured into you. And you're like, God's been good all the time. And you're like, hey, look where God brought me. Hey, look where God brought me. Yay, look where God brought me out. He helped me. Woo! And you're worshiping God, but your dance will not keep you from a divorce. Because if you don't take care of it by pouring continually the Holy Ghost over it, I grew up in a church. I mean, I mean, they would get with it. But we still had 50% divorce in the church because we didn't handle the stuff that was in the vessel before they got into a relationship. And so what you have to do is you have to stay under the power. that You have to stay filled up with the Holy Ghost. That's why we're going to preach about coming alive in the Holy Ghost. We're going to have people getting the Holy Ghost in the altar. And we're going to see people getting refreshed and renewed. It's because we're going to focus on being filled with God's Spirit. Amen? So you have to continue to pour the Spirit of God. Go ahead and pour it in. This is my favorite illustration of all time. And guess what? They all come out. 
Everything that was in there, if you continue to pour over the word of God over your life and continue to pour out yourself at the altar and let God just continue to pour in, eventually all those things come out and God gives you new identity in him. Amen. And it's pure and it's beautiful and it's holy and it's great and it's amazing. That is awesome. And you know what? This is the best part of this illustration. When the devil comes back with those lies that people put in your life and those opinions, guess what? Now it can only stay on the surface. Now it cannot be embedded in your life. Now it cannot be underneath all those things. Now you don't feel like you might be deceiving somebody because you still have things inside you're working on. But now it's on the surface. And then my wife can come along and she can just say, you know what? That's a lie. I don't, I, don't, I don't like that. You know what? Someone else throws in something else. She's like, mm, not, no, that's not true. That's not the word of God. My spouse can help me when she sees things on the surface that the devil tries to put there. And guess what? No matter how much the devil puts there, no longer because I'm full of the Holy Ghost now, he can't make it sink. He can't make it stay. Now no longer do I live as a vessel that had things inside me that needed to be healed. Now I am a vessel that's whole through the power of the Holy Ghost. And that power of the Holy Ghost continually pouring over me takes care of the things that are on the surface and the devil is a liar amen he can never put a lie back into my life amen somebody amen. let's amen. clap our hands into the lord thank amen. you lord. thank you lord thank you for struggling with my voice i do apologize i'm getting sick so that's why she's here so let's race through the last two are you guys okay i just want to say that um the holy ghost is a completer the bible says now you are complete in him amen. now you are complete in him so um you want to race through these last yeah. two? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so um, the fourth key is divine confirmation. Anytime God does a work in your life or tells you where he's taking you, gives you purpose in your life, he will confirm it. He established that principle. He said in the, where there's two or three witnesses, you can believe that it will be. So... God will confirm to you. If you have somebody in your sights, God will confirm to you. If you've made mistakes in your marriage, God will confirm to you. He can confirm again and again and again in, in miraculous ways that the purpose you're, you're following is his purpose if you're seeking God's face on this. So, yeah? Okay. That was divine confirmation. So God will give you confirmation when you seek his wisdom and guidance. All right. What was number one? chemistry. What's number two? What's number three? Wholeness. And then number four was divine confirmation. confirmation. Divine confirmation. And then surprisingly enough, when you have those four keys in there already, you will see the fifth key happen. You will have a sense of purpose, not just your own sense of purpose in God's will, but you'll have a sense of purpose with the person you're choosing. Because we seek God and his purpose, and we go forward together towards that purpose, we have a sense of purpose. It's not my sense of purpose anymore. It's not his sense of purpose anymore. It's our sense of purpose. That doesn't mean we always see everything eye to eye, but it's our purpose. We're going for the same thing. How can you give yourself to someone for the rest of your life if you don't know your own purpose? Once you find your purpose and they find their purpose, you can go together towards God's purpose for your life. That's it. It's serious. It's a serious thing. Amen. 
So let's stand together. Um, we need to be honest before God. If we have a place in our life where we need to address one of these three key or five keys, um, guess what? Love has a way of tarnishing. It's like silver. It tarnishes at times. And you have to be willing to put in the work for a relationship. And I'm not, I'm not a person that says that every, every single individual that gets married is going to have difficulty if they don't have these five keys. These are just five keys that we identified. There could be 20 keys to a great relationship. But we chose these five keys because we believe that if, if two can't walk together, and if two don't agree, they can't walk together, the scripture says. And the Bible actually says that in um, Amos 3 and 3. It says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so what needs to happen today is not just a relationship illustration and not just us to celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit works on us and that our spouse can pick out things that they see and say, that's really not what God has for you. That's not the place where God wants you to go. I, I feel like that's not your best life. And they can be that help meet for you, but you also have to know that it's work on the relationship that keeps it. You have to work to keep your fire, the fire of love kindled because love tries to die. There's, there's all kinds of rain on our parade, amen, in life. And so some of you may be at the position where you're like, well, maybe the Lord would give me somebody that's um, th that's right for me. and Or maybe you're in the position of you're like, why is God holding back somebody that would be good for me? Maybe you need to go back and address your individuality with God and say, God, am I right? Have I established everything I need to establish? Maybe there's some things in your vessel that you need to keep pouring the Word of God over in order for you to be whole so that you can be connected and have that chemistry with somebody. Maybe it's not that God's holding somebody back, but he's just holding somebody for you. Because maybe they're not ready, and God has something designed for them as well, and he's just waiting on you to find that one thing that needs to be removed and say, you know what? You're right, Lord. That's, that's a lie I've been believing too long. I need to take that out of my life. And maybe they, that person that God has for you, is doing the same thing. And the Bible says that God is a God of perfect timing. He'll bring somebody along at the perfect moment. Is this okay today? Five keys to a soulmate. I hope that it helps you. Let's pray today together and ask the Lord to touch us. Lord, I pray for fresh vision in this room. Those of us that are still striving and seeking a spouse, Lord God, that you would give us the abilities to handle anything that comes into our life with the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus, that we would be full of your spirit. Lord God, there's some of us that need to be reminded again that you are our first love. Take us to Revelation chapter 2, Lord Jesus, and remind us that we can't just pour some of you in and leave some of us in there and, and just keep the identity that we want, but we have to pour you in till everything is poured out, till everything comes out and we are truly full of the Holy Ghost. Lord God, help us to walk in your spirit because that, that's what the scripture means when it says to be full of the Holy Ghost. 
to walk in your spirit, to feel the nudge of God on a regular basis and not get up in the morning just to pray or have a devotion, but get up in the morning to hear from God, to hear from you, Lord, to have a, a downpour, <clears throat> a downpour of your spirit, God, in our life. I pray in the name of Jesus that you do a work in this place and that any lie that the enemy has sown will just stay on the surface and can be removed easily from our life. And every single day, we would have a choice in our life to work with our spouse and to work in the purpose that God has called us to. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. In Revelations, it says that he was speaking to the church at and he said that, I have something against you. You've done all this work. You've done all these great things. But I have something against you because you've left your first love. If you begin to lose your first love, you will begin to empty out. And what's poured into you can be poured out. And then eventually, you'll see yourself start to fill up again with things that are confusing and sap your energy and take things out of your life that were healthy and wholesome and you can make decisions that won't help you. So I'm asking you today, is there anybody here that has not lived full of Holy Ghost? I'm opening this altar for somebody to let God pour into your life again one more time. To go back to your first love. Jesus, Jesus wants to be right near you. He wants to pour into you. But if there's somebody today that wants to pray, this altar's open for you. God bless you today. You're dismissed if you need to go, but would you seek the Lord? Maybe you've felt distant from him in some place. Maybe you felt a little bit of coldness in your heart toward God. There is a place where God pours out, and that's this altar. And God has done it so many times that I cannot even tell you the number of situations that I've seen God fix, the marriages that have been repaired at the altar, the, the moments that needed to happen in your personal life with God to make you available to what he had for you next it happens at an altar amen all through scripture all throughout time a place of sacrifice if we don't come and honor his altar we we disgrace the very sacrifice he made for us on the cross let's let's honor god today god bless you if you need to go but let's make this place a place of prayer right now as we seek to make him our first love again let god pour over you today in jesus name.